Good Humans is a proud member of Accidental Information. For more info, visit accidentalinformation.com. Oh, hey, people of Earth, welcome back uh, to Good Humans. <laughs> I threw myself off with the weird start. Um, thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening. I'm excited to get into this week's episode, but before we do that, as always, I would like to point you to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash goodhumans. There's some cool stuff going on over there, if I do say so myself. Um, And I'm really excited. I just got confirmation uh, from our uh, t-shirt company that t-shirts are en route to me as we speak. Um, And there are definitely a couple tiers over on the Patreon page that include t-shirts. So check that out um, and get yourself a cool Good Humans t-shirt. We're doing some cool stuff over there trying to build some community uh, and do some things for the community. Um, So please check out patreon.com slash goodhumans. This week's episode is different um, in that it's just me. Um, And also in that it's an episode that I have released before in season one uh, of Good Humans. Um, It's also why it's a little bit late because I I went back and forth with myself about re-releasing this episode. And the more I thought about it, the more I felt uh, it was appropriate. So this episode um, uh, is called Clowns to the Left of Me, Jokers to the Right. Um, And I I think I say it in the episode, but that will become uh, clear why that's the episode, I think, uh, as you listen. But um, in this episode, I talk about things uh, like extremism uh, and conversation uh, and the lack of an ability to understand each other. But a large part of this episode also discusses gun violence and what's being done or more accurately, what's not being done, um, to work on that problem. And I'm heartbroken that I released this episode over a year ago, um, at this point, and we still have to talk about this. Um, I'm not trying to alienate anyone or turn anyone off, uh, by talking about this, but I think we could probably all agree that the loss of human life is tragic in and of itself. But the fact that we have so many violent deaths, um, that involve firearms is also tragic. I think we can probably all just meet at that point. Um, regardless of what we think the solutions are, but, um, yeah, rough, rough few weeks lately. Um, so I hope that this episode is helpful. Uh, like I said, it's different. Um, so, uh, ordinarily I would say, uh, enjoy the conversation, but, um, it's not so much enjoyable as I, I think it is, um, maybe timely again, which again is a shame, but, um, I hope it's helpful. I hope it's provocative. Um, and I hope it, uh, I hope it prompts some action and thought. Um, so with that, here is, uh, my conversation with me, um, for this week's episode, a re-release of clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Um, I've decided to call this one clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Uh, and that is a Steelers wheel reference, uh, for anybody that did not know. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the song, you should look it up. It is one of the greats. Um, I think the, the reason I chose that name will become clear, uh, at some point during the episode, but I want to talk about four things today. I want to talk about middle ground, psyche, extremes, and conversation. Um, and so hopefully all of those will tie together by the end. Um, and hopefully my bedhead is not going to get in the way of, uh, 
having a helpful conversation here. So, um, so let's dive in. Uh, so the first thing we want to talk about today is middle ground. Um, and the reason I want to talk about that, what I mean by that is, uh, there's a lot of shouting all over the place. You don't have to go very far to find shouting, um, on social media, on TV, news outlets, uh, written news, um, you know, articles online and all kinds of things. Um, things that people are saying to each other back and forth on social media and so forth. Uh, and there's a lot of shouting about a lot of different things. There's a lot of shouting from, you know, just regular people to regular people uh, about politics or gun reform or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of po- shouting from people to politicians and politicians to p- politicians to people, uh, politicians to politicians, um, a lot of infighting. Um, but in all of that shouting, um, I feel like what we often try to do is we try to represent in our argument, we try to somehow also represent the other side. So we're saying, I know this is what you think and this is how you feel and this is why you're wrong. And so often when we're doing that, we have completely misrepresented the way somebody else thinks, Um, especially when it's a heated conversation or when, when we're in a shouting match, uh, which is what so much of this seems to be. And so the middle ground disappears. And so there are all kinds of people shouting about all kinds of things, everyone thinking they're right, at least on the surface. And there's very little willingness to concede that there may be a third way or there may be middle ground or there may be, you know, maybe the other person doesn't exactly think what you're saying they think, but it's simpler and, and easier for you to think that they think that. Um, we're going to get deeper into that in just a second, but um, I was, I've been thinking about this a lot and I've been trying to kind of puzzle out the reasons for this. And it seems this, this could just be perception. I don't think it is, but it could just be my perception, but it seems like it's, it's gotten worse um, over the last few years. And it seems like the more connected we are, we, you know, we, when Facebook and, you know, MySpace before Facebook, uh, if anybody's old enough to remember that, um, when these social media sites first sort of launched and everybody was just sort of learning about these and getting into these, uh, we all were amazed and excited about how connected people could be. And it is, an amazing thing. It's, it's awesome that people can be connected, but it seems the more connected we get, the more shouting happens. Um, and then the more shouting happens, the louder it gets and the more misrepresented people get. Um, and that's sad to me. It, it, that's not, I think, uh, what social media was created for. Um, it is sort of what it's brought us to, but, um, so I was trying to figure out some of the reasons for the disappearance of the middle ground, um, for the most part. And I, I think it's a few different things, but the three that I could think of just as I was sort of like working through this, um, is, uh, one, I think there's a sense of loss and, uh, I'm going to speak for the demographic that I, I feel like I can speak for because I am one. Um, so speaking as a straight white male, Uh, I feel like there are many other straight white males in America right now that feel like uh, it's ridiculous, but I feel like there are a lot of straight white males that feel like uh, their their reign is over Um, and they may not put it like that or even think it in those terms. But I I think it's I think that's a general sort of the general feeling, Um, you know, the world has been straight white male dominated for centuries. Um, and the, the fact that we are so connected now and there is so much more access to information, um, and as our culture and society and art and everything else is getting more and more diverse and diversity is more and more a thing that is being focused on and being brought to the forefront, which I think is fantastic. Uh, there is, I think a sense of loss, um, in some people, again, I'm speaking for straight white males, but I think this applies across the board. I think there's a sense of loss, uh, for some people, uh, and that they feel like, uh, their, um, sort of advantage is gone, um, or they've lost ground or, uh, there's, there's, because things are, anytime things change, anytime there's a shift in consciousness or anytime society takes a step forward, 
and gets a little more progressive, there, anytime anything changes, there is always a sense of, oh, but we're losing what we used to be. Uh, and it's, it is a death of sorts. It's a death of uh, the way people used to think and act, the way society used to function, the way culture viewed certain things. Um, so there is, there is loss there, uh, but not all loss is bad loss. However, I think a lot of times we as humans have a hard time sort of differentiating the two. Um, and so when this starts to happen, there is a sense of loss of, of the way things used to be. So I think that could be one reason. Um, I think as kind of, as I was saying before, uh, there is just an ignorance about, uh, other people, uh, other ways of thinking the information as a whole. Um, it, it never ceases to amaze me how often I see people, quoting things on Facebook or, or wherever, or hear people, you know, kind of reciting something back, just spitting something back that they read or heard somewhere. And there has been no effort, uh, on either that news outlet or whoever originally said it, there was no effort there to kind of check the facts. And then there was no effort by the person who was repeating it to check those facts and make sure that that is actually accurate information. Uh, so then you have, all of this misrepresentation of, of information and truth. Um, and then on top of that, you have a total ignorance of how other people, other viewpoints, other cultures actually think and feel about things because nobody's taking the time to ask, um, or to try to step into those shoes, um, or to try to dig in and, and get that information and get that perspective. So we have a lot of ignorance about, everything really um the information at hand uh and also the way other people think and feel um and so again we start to to ourselves and to other people we start to misrepresent others and the other side if you will uh and so we say this is how they think and this is what they want and this is why i don't agree with that and meanwhile that's those people that you're talking about are saying that's not what we think at all um, but nobody bothered to ask. Uh, and that's sad. Um, and I think, uh, one other reason is, uh, because it's a coping mechanism. Um, and it's called, so specifically a coping mechanism called splitting, um, which is, uh, in psychoanalysis, there is, uh, there's a sort of a, a study of many different coping mechanisms that people use. One of them being splitting, splitting, basically just meaning that, um, it's sometimes it's easier when I'm faced with very, very hard information to process, or when I'm faced with, uh, uncomfortable, uh, information, or when I'm faced with a situation that I just, it's, it's a lot for me to take in all at once. Sometimes an easier path is to split which just means the world is never really like this. The world is a lot more gray uh, than it is black and white, but splitting just means that I, to make things simple and easy to take in and understand, I split myself from you and I say, I'm good, you're bad. And that's, it's just very simple, cut and dry, black and white if I can view you as completely bad and view myself as completely good, then all the other information, everything else surrounding any situation is a lot easier to process and sort and compartmentalize, uh, because I'm looking at it in very black and white cut and dry terms. And, um, it's, it's not, uh, it is a destructive coping mechanism. It's a bad coping mechanism, but, uh, it's not, um, it's a natural it's, it's sometimes it's not on purpose and it's not conscious. Um, it just happens. This is why, um, so getting into the next thing we want to talk about here is psyche. Um, this is why, uh, we're able to justify wars. This is why we're able to justify killing people with drones. Um, just dropping bombs on people that have no idea they're coming. Uh, and just snuffing out dozens of lives at a time. This is why we're able to accept. This is why the term acceptable losses uh, is a thing. When we, 
not sure if anybody is aware because it doesn't get publicized a lot, but uh, Obama, when he was president, Obama got criticized for his drone program and how many people he was killing with his drone program. Since Trump has become president, he has more than, I believe the last figure, this could be outdated by now, the last figure was uh, he has more than quadrupled our drone program. Um, And there are dozens of civilian lives that are taken every time we perform a drone strike and those are considered quote unquote acceptable losses because we got the guys we were trying to get, or at least that's how we pitch it. And if, if we're just looking at the world as everybody's humans, and if we're not oversimplifying things, if we're not splitting, that's very hard to accept. It's very hard to accept the fact, number one, that we would just wipe out dozens of lives anyway, but then on top of that, it's it's very hard to accept that we would be willing to accept the fact that we know civilian lives are also going to be taken, but it's worth taking however many civilian lives get taken to get the guys that we're trying to get. So what happens is we split and we say, well, these people are all bad. We are all good. We're going to do a drone strike. We're going to take these guys out. If a few civilian lives also get taken out, that's unfortunate, but it's acceptable because, you know, a few lives to s- save the, the greater good is an acceptable loss. Um, and it's so bizarre uh, to me. But the in in all of these studies uh, about coping mechanisms and, and the psyche of the individual, what has been found is that the psyche of the individual actually translates also to the psyche of the masses, which means... Um, the way human psyche works on an individual basis does translate to the way psyche works at a societal level. And so we have people that are splitting saying, uh, you are all bad. I'm all good. And so, you know, you Democrat bad, me Republican good. So anything that you as a Democrat want is bad and evil. Anything that I want as a Republican is good. You're trying to destroy this country. I'm trying to save it. All that kind of thing. That's splitting at an individual level. And then that that just shoots right up the chain. And then we have it at a societal level. So then we have entire political parties who are vilifying the other. We have entire cultures that are vilifying others. We have uh, entire countries and nations that are vilifying other nations. And there is no consideration of individuals. There's no consideration of any gray area or again, middle ground. There is just splitting. There is, we are good. You are bad. Um, and I think the other interesting thing to note here is that anytime there is a coping mechanism present, look, you do not have to think hard to realize that once once this is revealed for what it is, which is this is what's happening in society right now. This is what's happening. Uh, there's a lot of splitting going on. Anytime there's a coping mechanism present, it means that there is trauma also present. There is pain also present. So coping mechanisms don't just happen. You don't just like, you're not just going through life and everything's fine. And you're like, oh, I'm just going to decide that those people are super bad and everything they think is evil and I'm all good. Coping mechanisms are a response to something. They don't just happen. So anytime there's a coping mechanism present, there is also trauma and pain. And I, I don't think if, if we would just stop and think for a couple seconds, I don't, I don't think that's hard to understand or accept either. I, I feel like that's very easy to see. There's a lot of pain and hurting um, throughout the world, throughout our culture, throughout society, just in our nation here in America. Um, For all kinds of reasons, there are uh, people who cannot provide for their families. There are individuals who don't have a home or or a, a place to feel safe. Um, there are individuals who have been abused, uh, and feel like society has, has forgotten them. There are, uh, 
uh, entire sort of classes of people. Uh, if you're looking at like lower, middle, upper class, there's entire classes of people that feel disenfranchised because they, they feel like they're in sort of a vicious circle of working as much as they can, bringing home barely enough to cover rent and food, and all the while doing this, knowing that they don't have enough spare time to get any more education or any more training necessary to kind of take the next leap to a better job that would help them provide for their families better. And so they're just sort of stuck. Um, and there are, there are people across the world that are, that are suffering and hurting. And, uh, there are still people here that are being oppressed. Um, I think of our LGBT community and, and even our African-American community, um, and, and our Hispanic community and our Asian community. And there are so many, uh, our Muslim community, there are so many people that are being marginalized, um, that feel hurt. By the way, this is why splitting is, is one of the biggest reasons why, uh, we see terrorism, um, on, on such a massive level, uh, these days, by the way, um, there's so much just in America. Listen, we, we talk all the time about, Oh, the, the evil terrorists. And we, we talk about them as if they are from outside the country. There has been more domestic terrorism since nine 11 in America than has come from outside of our country. Um, but either way, this is, this is why that exists. There are people that are hurting and there are people that are trying to make sense of things. Uh, and so coping mechanisms like splitting is one of the simplest ways. Um, and it's also one of the easiest to take advantage of. And so we've got all these people that feel marginalized and disenfranchised and everybody's just trying to figure out what's going on and make sense of it. Um, and so we have, uh, a lot of extremes happening. Um, so let's talk about extremes for a moment. Um, think about the last time you got in a really, really heated argument and the last time that you called somebody, you know, an asshole or, uh, an idiot or whatever the case may be. We've got a lot of extreme words that we use when we get heated. Um, think about the last time you were talking about politics, uh, with someone and you said, well, you know, they're out to destroy the country or so-and-so is just pure evil or whatever the case may be. Um, so kind of hold that moment in your head for just a second. And then, and then I want you to really consider and think whether or not you 100, listen, nobody else knows the answer to this. Okay. Like we're not raising our hands in class. We're not writing down our answer and turning it in and signing our name to it. So this is your chance to be 100%, 100% honest with yourself. Okay? So I don't give a shit what your answer is. I know what my answer is, okay, to the question I'm about to ask. But this is your chance to be 100% honest with yourself. Think about when you had that discussion, that argument, whatever. You used extreme language. Now I want you to think about whether or not you actually truly believe that in your very essence, at, at your heart of hearts, in your core, I want you to think about whether or not you truly believe everything you actually you just said, or if it was sort of understood by you and the person you were talking to that it was hyperbolic language and you don't actually believe all of it, but, uh, you know, they get it like the person I was talking to gets it. I don't, I don't really think all that, but you know, they get it. I would wager. So I'll speak for myself. Um, when I talk in extremes, very seldom do I actually a hundred percent believe it at my core. It is often just extreme language for extreme language sake. Um, and so it's exaggeration for the sake of, of making a point. I think most everybody listening, if we're honest with ourselves, would agree that that's how they feel too. But now I want I want us to kind of 
take that realization and understand a few things. First of all, when you, nobody, I'm sorry, but nobody is pure evil. Okay. Um, I don't think it's any mystery that I am not a fan of Donald Trump. Um, and I think he has done evil things. Um, I think he probably will do more evil things. Uh, and I, I, I'm not a fan of him as a person. Um, I don't like most of what he does or says or how he acts. However, Donald Trump is not all evil. He's not pure evil. Nobody is. And furthermore, I don't think Donald Trump wakes up in the morning for all you people that are like me and don't care for pretty much anything he does. I don't think Donald Trump wakes up in the morning and thinks, how can I just royally screw people today? How can I ruin America? How can I be as evil and bad as I possibly can be? I don't think Donald Trump wakes up in the morning and has that thought. I think Donald Trump wakes up in the morning. Probably this is my guess. Again, I could be misrepresenting uh, Donald Trump going back to what we were saying earlier. However, the reading um, and the the research that I've done on that man, I don't think this is representing misrepresenting him, but I think Donald Trump wakes up most mornings and just thinks, um, what can I do for me today? Uh, and I think that's just about as far as his, thinking goes, but I don't think he's out to like be evil or destroy America or hurt people. Um, I think he's pretty much just out for himself, but even somebody as extreme as that, if you're on the other side of the aisle, I don't think Hillary Clinton is pure evil either. I'm not a huge fan of Hillary Clinton either, by the way, but I don't think she's pure evil. I don't think she was out to destroy America. I don't think Obama was out to destroy America. Um, I don't think George Bush was out to destroy America or pure evil whichever side you fall on. And I'm saying this because I've heard people say those words. I've heard people say Donald Trump is pure evil. I've heard people say Obama was pure evil. Hillary was pure evil. George Bush was pure evil. Um, and no, they're not. Nobody is. Um, and if you're honest with yourself, you don't actually think that. Uh, but it's, it's easier to think in those absolutes than it is to think in grays um, and try to sort of, again, find the middle ground. People of Earth, this episode of Good Humans is brought to you by Accidental Information. Accidental Information is an amazing, inspirational organization that is actually run by Christopher Swan, who was a guest in last season of this show. What he's doing with this organization is helping each and every one of us celebrate what makes us different and then use that to improve our personal lives and our careers. I love this organization so much, and it's not just because we just joined their podcast network. It's because each and every article and show that they have contains directly applicable and practical advice that will improve your personal life or your career. I love the articles that they post, such as how binge watching helps you live a better life, five amazing people who have used adversity to spark creativity, five ways to learn from every podcast you hear, how to tap into your creativity, and so many more. If you're interested, you should check out accidentalinformation.com and tell them good humans sent you. Um, this is why, by the way, I, I think that um, I was just, this is something else I've been thinking about um, just sort of as an aside. I was talking to Cecilia about this the other day, but this is why I think that, um, so again, like I'm not a fan of Trump, uh, and so I was telling Cecilia, I keep waiting the more crazy things he does, uh, and says, and the more crazy ways he acts and the more unstable, I think that, um, he shows he is, I keep waiting for Trump supporters slash voters to say, okay, that's the line. Like I was with you up to this point. Can't do it anymore. Um, too far. And it seems like it's, it's, it hasn't happened yet. It seems like it's not going to happen at this point. And then I I realized, I think this is why what we're talking about right now, I think this is why um, Trump supporters can't do that because he talked in such extremes when he was on his campaign trail and he whipped up so much fear and frenzy during his campaign that then people supported him and he has kept his language extreme and frenzied since he has been in the White House and has whipped up the fear and frenzy 
more and more since he's been in the White House. And so he keeps escalating and people that have been with him up to this point can't possibly jump off now because it would mean that they were wrong about everything up to this point. And it has been so extreme and so frenzied up to this point that that is such a huge responsibility and burden to take on to say, I was wrong about all of that. And this is where I get off the crazy train. I I think at this point it's impossible. So I, I, I'm not waiting for Trump supporters to kind of, you know, get off the train at this point. Um, I, I am saying I, I feel like I sort of understand Trump supporters, why you aren't, uh, and just know that I, I think other people out there also understand the position you're in. Um, I, I still think it's ludicrous to support a man like that, uh, just because of pride, but I will say I get it. Um, so there you go. Uh, but getting back to the original point, I, this is, this is where I, I don't think either side actually thinks all the things that they say about the other side. I don't think, look, I think Trump's a very smart man. And I think he, I don't think he believes everything that he says and all the extreme language that he uses. I think he uses that on purpose again, to whip people up, uh, into a frenzy and, and to, to keep the fear real, uh, because fear is a powerful, powerful motivator, but uh, I don't think a, either side 100% believes all the the extreme language that they use about the other side. I don't think either side actually wants to destroy America, um, but that's the kind of language that we're using, um, and that's another form of splitting. Um, and as long as we're using that language. There is no conversation happening. So the last thing I want to talk about is conversation here. So um, we've talked about middle ground, about psyche, about extremes. uh, And so the last thing I want to talk about is conversation. Because there is a disappearing middle ground, because there is trauma and pain and fear and heartache and hurt and marginalization happening, our society as a whole is coping with this any way we can. And so we tend to split and call one side evil and our side good. And that's all objective or subjective, by the way. In the midst of all this, like I said at the beginning, there's a lot of shouting happening and there's very little conversation happening. And I think that's so tragic. The louder I shout, the more you can bet that I don't really believe what I'm saying. And the more shouting that happens, the less listening there is happening. And the less any of it is productive. So I think... You know, this has all been happening for, you know, as much of the recent past as I can remember. This is something that the human race has been doing for millennia, probably since its inception. Um, And I don't think it's the way forward. I don't think it's the future. Um, So if we can kind of view all of this for what it is which is a way for people to deal with the pain and trauma that they're feeling. Maybe we can tone it down a bit. Maybe we can take the volume down and maybe we can stop talking for a few minutes and listen. And can you imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine what it would be like in a world where the New York times posts an article on Facebook and somebody comments, Hmm, interesting points. Here's my take. And then somebody else comments, Oh, never thought about it like that. What about this? And then somebody else comments, Oh, all good points. I've actually never really read much about this particular issue. Uh, but now that you two have made 
really good points. Consider this. And there are ideas being shared and there are perspectives being shared and there is a dialogue happening just between people. And I I know me saying that, like most of us are probably thinking, uh, yeah, that's never going to happen. Like what kind of a utopia are you talking about? And do you understand how sad that is? That civil conversation on a social media platform sounds like an unattainable utopia. Like how sad is that? But just imagine that that could happen. And then just imagine that because that's happening on an individual level, it sort of works its way up to a societal level. And then imagine because that's happening at a societal level, it works its way into politics. And we start electing representatives who actually represent us instead of the interests of corporations and themselves. And imagine that we elect representatives that are more concerned about the good of society than they are about the power they have and how to keep it. And imagine those representatives because at a societal level we're having conversations and we're trying to understand other others viewpoints. Then imagine at the government level and in the political arena, this starts happening because we're electing those kinds of representatives. And then imagine it works its way up the chain from there to holy crap, the white house. What would that look like? And then imagine it goes from there to a national level. And then we've got our country talking to other countries like that. And we have our country trying to understand the position other countries are in and the culture other countries have and why they think the way they do and why they would act and the way they do and why they would say certain things and how that makes sense for them because of that's the area they're in and the the climate they're in and whatever. And so we say, oh, oh my gosh, I, I had no idea about all that stuff. So cool. Let's, you know, let's build a way forward. Let's, let's try and make this work and you know, let's act in each other's best interest and at least consider each other's point of view. Now, if you've heard me say all this and the whole time you were thinking, well, but they're wrong. So why would I do that? That's not the fucking point. It's not the point. At no time in any of that, did I say, imagine what it would be like if we all agreed with each other. No, Just imagine what it would be like if you, for a split goddamn second, tried to put yourself in another person's shoes and understand their perspective. So, talking about this in current event terms, we have people on one side screaming, guns are bad, guns are bad, guns are bad, nobody should have guns, all guns should be taken away. On the other side, we have screaming, saying guns aren't the problem. You know, everybody should have guns because, you know, what if the government ends up, you know, becoming super corrupt and coming after us and whatever? Everybody should have guns. Guns are awesome. Guns are the best. You just want to take away my guns so that you can, you know, establish your communist whatever. And, you know, then you're going to have us all under your boot. And both sides are screaming all of this. And nobody is talking about the middle ground. And in the meantime, we've got kids dying in school, kids, children dying in school because we can't fucking have a conversation. So to give everybody an example of what that would sound like, let me help you out here. The side that's saying all guns are bad isn't really saying all guns are bad. I have I have many, many friends that would love to see gun reform and that feel like enough is enough. I've never heard one of them say all guns should be outlawed, all guns are bad, get rid of all guns. You know what I have heard them say? We should probably look into better gun laws that screen for mental health that mandate a waiting period 
for somebody to buy a gun. If you go into a store and you're trying to buy a gun, what are you in such a hurry for that you can't possibly stand the idea of a waiting period? Two weeks? Let us run a criminal and mental background check on you to make sure that you are a stable person and that you're probably not going to be violent and hurt somebody with this gun you're purchasing? Is that too much to ask? Because you're buying a thing that is made to kill? And I've heard these people say, yes, assault weapons should be banned, which I happen to agree with, by the way. But I'm sorry, you don't need an AR-15 to shoot a deer in the woods. You don't need an AR-15 to, sh- to shoot animals that you're hunting. I've been hunting. You get one shot, usually, at an animal. If you miss the first shot, opportunity's over. You don't need a semi-automatic assault weapon to shoot deer. Assault weapons are made for assault. They're made to kill. And they're made to kill people. Not animals. So that's what I hear one side saying. The other side, I have a lot of people that are friends of mine that are also pro-gun. So what I hear them saying is, I'm afraid that you're going to take away all my guns. And this is a hobby of mine. I like to collect guns. I, th- I think they're interesting. Uh, I like I myself, I have a shotgun that is very, very old. It's at least 100 years old. It's got a crack in the stock. I, I can't fire it anymore uh, or it'll totally break. Uh, it's a very old single shot Ithaca shotgun. I like I get it. Guns are some people's hobby and and becoming a marksman is is a lot of fun. I've I've done my fair share of shooting guns. And so this this side we have are of of people that that are are pro guns, love their guns. We've got a lot of people on that side of the issue saying, "I'm I'm deathly scared you're going to take away all my guns." And the reason I hear a lot of them saying too, the reason I want to keep my guns is what if the government and then fill in the blank. And may I say that whether you have an AR-15 or not, or whatever assault rifle you want to say, I don't like, don't lecture me on the fact that there are other assault weapons. Whatever assault weapon you feel like you need to have, whether you have that or not, if the government wants you, they're going to get you. We kill hundreds of people a month with drone strikes. The military has billions of dollars of resources at its disposal. Weapons and surveillance. And you're afraid of somebody taking away your AR-15 because you won't be able to defend yourself from the government should they ever decide to come after you? That's ridiculous. That AR-15 is not going to do jack shit against the government if they want you. But... Can I assure you, my friends who are pro-gun, nobody wants to take all your guns away. Nobody wants that. And can I assure you, my pro-gun reform friends, not everybody who is pro-gun is violent and a maniac and psychotic. All either side wants is a glimmer, a glimmer, a speck, of compromise to open up a conversation. I think if the conversation started with, Hey, we get it. You have guns. You like guns. Cool. I don't understand it. That's not my hobby, but it is yours. That's fine. How about instead of taking the conversation to the level of all guns, good, all guns, bad. We say, listen, People are going to have guns. That's never going to go away. How about we set up some safeguards that are national safeguards across the board on a federal level and we don't let the states choose to let gun sellers be unlicensed? Like just happened in Illinois? And so we say, hey, people who have mental issues, who have a history of mental health issues should not be able to purchase weapons. There probably should be a waiting period of at least two weeks, three weeks for all of those background checks to come back positive one way or another. 
And on top of that, we should probably run it up the flagpole if somebody tries to purchase a weapon and fails the background check, just so the local police department is aware that this person who is not legally allowed to have a gun tried to purchase one, just to keep an eye out. And if all that comes back clean, cool, purchase your gun. But can we also all admit that AR-15s are absolutely not necessary to kill deer and are not going to help us defend anything against the government if they decide to come after us? Maybe we can't agree on all of those, but it's a lot easier to have a conversation when you don't have both sides shouting at each other, wanting all or nothing. And if you really cared about the kids that are being killed, about the men and women that are being killed every day by guns, you would have a fucking conversation instead of screaming at each other. So back to conversations as a whole. We as a society need to demand better. As a society, as a whole, every individual needs to demand better because conversations are not happening, not between individuals, not in the political arena and not at the national level. Conversations are not happening. And shouting matches are not productive. At least they haven't been so far. And the last thing I'll say is that it starts small. It starts with you and I deciding that whatever our deeply held views are, whatever our passions are, whatever our perspective is, we can take a breath and at least consider another viewpoint. There's no loss in that. I don't automatically lose because I take a moment to consider the way somebody else thinks. And I shouldn't need to wait for somebody else to do it to me first. How childish, how grade school mentality is it to say, well, they're not trying to have a conversation. They're not listening. So why should I? Why should you? Because something has to be done. And you're willing to continue to be part of the problem instead of trying to be part of the solution, whether, whether it takes off, whether it gets better immediately or not, which it it will not get better immediately, whether you feel like it's working or not. We just talked about this on the last episode, whether you feel like it's working or not, are you okay with going to bed at night knowing you continue to be part of the problem? Knowing that the blood of every child that dies in a school, every man and woman that dies on a street could just as well be laid at your door and mine as the person who pulled the trigger because you and I are not willing to have a fucking conversation and take a step back and just consider each other's viewpoints. How dare we? It starts small. It starts with you and me. And then it grows from there. Maybe if you and I start to do this, other people notice. And then other people notice. And then other people notice. And then hopefully at some point, our representatives notice. And our president. And other nations But it starts with you and me. So that's clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Um, A conversation about creating conversation, I guess, and finding middle ground. Um, 
I got a little bit more passionate during this episode than I, I originally thought I, I might. Um, but the more I just I saw an article yesterday. Sorry, not to get too caught up on the guns thing, but I saw an article yesterday that uh, a school superintendent in Pennsylvania, their plan. This is their plan. Their their great brilliant plan. Their plan is to arm children, school children, with buckets of rocks in case a school shooter comes in. Buckets of rocks. They want children to throw buckets of rocks at school shooters in the event it ever happens. That's the best we come up with. That is our solution to this problem. It's insane. Things get so mixed up and backwards and upside down. um, And it just makes me so sad to see nothing being done. Uh, But a lot of talk is happening. A lot of shouting is happening in the meantime. So I hope we can do better. I hope we can be better. Um, So that's this episode. Uh, And I appreciate everyone listening. And listen, I know not everything I always say is going to be um, agreeable to everybody that hears it. And I, I say this every episode, but I want to have a conversation. If, if you think differently about any of this, if you feel like I missed something or misrepresented something, please reach out. I would love to have a conversation with you. I am more than happy on the next episode to point out anything that I was wrong about or any, anything that you feel I misrepresented. Uh, so let's have a conversation. I genuinely want to have a conversation. You can hit me up a few different ways. I have an email address set up for the podcast. It's goodhumanspod at gmail.com. We have a website. It's goodhumanspod.com. Or uh, we are facebook.com slash goodhumanspod. So there's a few few ways to find us, a few ways to talk to us, uh, me. Um, And I I genuinely would love to have a conversation with whomever would like to. So uh, please reach out. Um, In the meantime, I, I sincerely, wholeheartedly appreciate um, you guys listening. It's still crazy to me that, um, I sit down and talk into a microphone for like an hour, um, every now and then and put it out and, and people actually sit and listen to it. Um, that's incredible to me. So I, it, it is not lost on me. I, I genuinely a hundred percent, uh, appreciate it. Um, and I'm grateful and I'm grateful if any of this is helpful to anyone, any part of this, um, um, I'm grateful for that too. I hope we can start to have conversations instead of shouting matches and find some kind of middle ground. Um, so there you have it. Uh, that's all I have for this week. Um, stay tuned for the next couple episodes. I've got some pretty interesting people coming on. Uh, we're going to talk about what they're doing in the world um, to be good humans uh, and what that looks like for them, uh, what they think that means. Uh, and so I'm excited to have those conversations as well. So um, stay tuned for those. Those will be out soon. Um, So I will see you guys later. And until next time, be good to each other.